welcome to the Jane of All Trades podcast, a little show about a lot of things. I'm your host, Felicia York, and today I am sharing with you a conversation that I had with T of Universal Amani. She is a medium and tarot reader, and we talk about spirituality, connecting with the ancestors, and so much more. Take a listen. This is going to be like a little bit of a long story because so many places I've been, <laughs> but where I was born is uh, Redwood City, California. Uh, I'm from the Bay Area, you know, as they call it out there. Um, grew up in between San Francisco, Venlo Park. Both my parents are split, so, you know, that's just how I grew up. My dad in San Francisco, my mom and her side of family in Menlo Park. And, um, you know, that's, that's where I was born. Now, where I grew up, <laughs> two different states. Uh, part of my childhood was spent in Anchorage, Alaska, and then the other half of my childhood in um, Atlanta, Georgia. Home huh. in California, but, you know, where I grew up, you know, that's, that's just where I grew up. That's why so many people know of me or anything like that is because I travel a lot. So, yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I love the story. I love the journey. So, Anchorage, Alaska? <laughs> as random as it is, um, a lot of people from the West Coast, like in Seattle or in California, a lot of them moved out to Alaska because you get paid a dividend to live there. Um, each year, everybody in the household gets paid just for living in Alaska. So, you know, they, people found that out and they started moving up there. It, it was weird. I mean, it's cool growing up in Anchorage. You know, um, how can I explain it? It's different because, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. moose, the snow, bears every now and then. It's, it's different, but it's still kind of like a city-like feel to it. And everybody pretty much knows everybody. So, like a small, it's like a large city, but a small town feel at the same time. It was pretty cool, I would say. Okay. I mean, it sounds it. I lived in Seattle for four years, but nobody told mm. me you have to get a dividend for living in Alaska. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they found out, but a lot of people just started moving up there. Okay. I mean, so it's part of the year, it's always dark, right? Yeah. Now, when they say it's for like six months, it's all dependent on where you're living. Like if you're living in northern Alaska, oh, it's going to be completely dark. But if you're living in, like, southern Alaska, like, closest towards, like, the bottom of Canada, it's it's pretty decent. So, you know, you get about three months where it's just dark and cloudy. And, like, if there is going to be, quote, unquote, sunrise, it's only up for, like, a couple minutes and then it goes back down. But during the summer, it's always up. The sun is always up. You barely see it going down. <laughs> Wow. So how did you cope with that? Because I'm sure your whole, like, body, I don't know, chemistry is out of whack, right? Oh, especially during the summertime, because when um, 
I would say, yeah, when I was about seven, eight years old, I started going outside and, you know, in the neighborhood, I'm going everywhere around there. I don't have a watch. I don't have a phone at that time. You know, this is early 2000s and you're a kid. What do you need a phone for? <laughs> yeah. Um, time would just be flying by and I didn't even know that I had to come home. You know, the whole room with the street lights come down, come home. You don't really have that out there. So I would come home at like 9 p.m. or one of my cousins or my my mom would send like my aunt or somebody to look for me or my sister to look for me. And I was just like, I'm just outside playing. We didn't know what time it was. Right. And so it, it gets a little tricky, but, you know, we have those uh those black shades, the little blackout shades, you know, in the house. So it kind of helps to regulate that. Interesting. Interesting. So, um. You started out, I'm sorry, I'm like trying to piece it in my head. So you started out in the Bay Area, then you went mm-hmm. to Anchorage, and yeah. but your dad's family were, was in the South, right? Oh, uh, no. Um, we don't have any family in the South. That's the thing. Um, huh. One day, uh, my mom just decided she wanted to move out there. So we did that. <laughs> It was, you know, it was a little bit of a culture shock because, you know, we in Alaska, ain't really a lot of black people up there. So Mm -hmm. going from there to straight up nothing but like black and white and maybe a couple Mexicans, maybe a couple Asians here or there, it's completely different. (laughs) It was completely different, but I can adapt easy. So it was all good. That's great. I mean, so. This is something, this is like way off topic, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I noticed that black people that grew up in Seattle specifically, did, that did not grow up around a lot of other black people, felt mm-hmm. very disconnected from the culture. Did you experience that? Actually, what's crazy is I did. Like, even though being from, like, the Bay Area, you know, there's black people around us, but there's also Polynesians, there's also Mexicans. So you have that diversity. Now, mm-hmm. going from there and then moving to Alaska, you're, like, one out of the three black kids in the class at a time. And then going to Atlanta, where it's nothing but black people, you kind of do feel out of place because it's, like, they're – their whole mentality is different from what we grew up and what we're used to. So it's like not adapting to it, but at the same time, like make, just making yourself as comfortable as possible. And that was my focus because I don't let the room control me. I control the room. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I've always had no trouble uh, fitting in or, you know, going in whatever space I need to go into. So I made myself comfortable. I wasn't going to let nobody make me feel uncomfortable. That's good. But I feel like a lot of times with blackness, um, especially if you and I met on Twitter, there are so many versions of it, and there are always people who are telling other people, you know, you're not black enough, you're not this enough. And right. sometimes black people take that on, on themselves in either way, like I'm not black enough or I'm too black or whatever. But mm-hmm. did you ever feel that way? Did I ever feel that way? No. No, I don't think so. Now that I think about it, like, I've seen all the perspectives. So I never felt like, you know, I was gonna, like people would try to project onto me that I shouldn't mm-hmm. feel black enough. Like, especially when I first moved to Atlanta. They tried to project that onto me. But I was just like, okay, I know just as much as you do. My parents educated me on anything, on everything about being black. So you can't really tell me nothing. 
Like, you can't. You can't tell me nothing. Like, yeah, I just think that some people are just born with that confidence and that just kind of um, self-assuredness, I guess, is what I'm mm-hmm. getting at. So that's that's amazing. Good for you. Um, I never felt that way either, even though I didn't feel. So I'm from Brooklyn, grew up, born and raised, mm-hmm. and I was always teased because I didn't have an accent. And I, right. I always felt like other than that way, but not in a bad way. Just like, what happened to me? How come I don't have one? But that's really it. Like, but people always say, oh, you think you white? Oh, you talk like this. But I'm like, hey, this is just how I talk. Some people right. just don't have access. So interesting. So when did you join the Navy and, and why did you want to join? Oh, man. Same. <laughs> Um, 18, you know, senior year of high school. I've been to like six high schools by the time, so I wasn't even really thinking about adjusting myself into college. I was just like, look, I know I'm not going to do well in college because I'm not going to be focused. I was like, if I could barely be focused in high school, which, you know, I did, you know, graduate on time, but I was getting bored because I felt Mm -hmm. like I was ahead of the curve of a couple of the students in class. So I was just like, I'm I'm tired of this. Like, I'm bored. I need simulation. School's not going to give me that. I was in the ROTC program in high school. So that's what kind of piqued my interest in joining. And the week of my 18th birthday, I joined the Navy, went to what they call METS, where it's like the enlistment, like, area. I mean, it shocked my mom, you know, telling her that, you know, I'm going to the military. But I think it worked out in the end. I ended up uh, joining... July of 2011, yeah, July of 2011, and got out the Navy around December of 2017. So I had a few good years in, but at the end of the day, the Navy really wasn't for me like I thought it was. I couldn't see myself having a full career in that, especially after having uh, my children while I was in the military. So that was just, I, I had to be with my kids. So I was like, I can't do this. And plus, I'm not, you know, losing enough weight to maintain, you know, being in the military. So I was just like, I guess that's it. Like, I can't lose the weight. I just had a baby. I can't lose the weight. And mm-hmm. I got out. It's an honorable, it's honorable discharge. So I got out. I still got my benefits. You know, the VA, quote unquote, got me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as much as they can, <laughs> as mm-hmm. much as they can, as much as they make themselves available to make sure I'm comfortable, but it is what it was. It was a good time in the Navy, but I needed to be with my kids. Okay. So how many kids do you have? I have two sons. And mm-hmm. do you mind how old are they? Oh, uh, seven and four. Oh, so they're still small where they, they want to be up on you and all that stuff. Yes. Yes, especially the seven-year-old. And him, for him to be seven years old, he's very tall. I would say he's like 4'9", four 4'10". Four he's oh, a wow. tall child. Yeah, he's a tall child. So he still wraps himself under me like <laughs> like it's nothing. But I love him. Aww. Yeah, because soon enough, they're going to be like, Bama. <laughs> right. Oh, can oh, power yeah. over me. I'm so not looking forward to that. <laughs> so... You are a tarot reader and medium? A spiritual yes, reader? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, <laughs> ma'am. I read on your bio and your website that you opened yourself up after you discharged 
from the Navy, but you had always had prophetic dreams? Yes. Prophetic dreams have always been a thing um, that I've had. I would have a deja vu. You know, I would have a dream about something when I was, like, in the sixth, seventh grade, and it pops up, like, a couple years later after that. I knew I was supposed to join the military. Funny story here. I had a dream one time that I was in this bright white room, and everybody is wearing white. And it's just somebody in, like, military uniform walking up and down around us. And I was just like, what the heck is going on here? You know, I'm only 12, 11 years old having a dream like that. And then in boot camp, we're wearing dress whites. We're all stacked up against our uh, bunks, and somebody is walking around inspecting us. And I dropped my jaw. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. And somebody's like, <laughs> Be quiet. I was just like, oh, my God, this is deja vu. And there's, like, some of my uh, bunkmates, she's like, you got to be quiet before, you know, one of them say something else. So I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that popped up, and I was just like, holy cow, this is really happening. I'm supposed to be here. Like, this is wild. And more and more of that started happening while being in the military, too. So I was just like, okay, so I have dreams. I went to visit my aunt. She is a pastor. She's a pastor. And she was telling me about how our family had the prophetic veil. And she's pretty much having a conversation with me and each of our cousins just to see who has that and how she could, like, help us along with that. And I was like, you know, I would have dreams. And I would just know stuff, but I didn't really understand it. And, you know, she was telling me a little bit about it. She gave me a couple books to read that I didn't read and some Bible verses to read on, which I did read. I did. And, again, I didn't take it seriously, but I didn't feel like that was my route. I still, you know, use the Bible to this day. But the way she, like, was trying to get me to go, it wasn't the way to go. I had to just figure that out for myself. And that's awesome. I mean, there's something reassuring about having a dream and just knowing that you're in the the place you're supposed to be. It was like I wanted to, but at the same time, it just didn't feel right to do it. Like, yes, that's the way I grew up, but I just wasn't understanding it, like, the way I really wanted to understand everything. But in my head, I knew, like, there is, as, you know, many people, they talk so much mess about the Bible, there is some type of truth in it if you don't look at it as, like, a rule book, you know? So, you know, I just found myself, like, things kind of resonating with me slowly. I would have incense in my house. I would have crystals. I would have candles. But I was just like, I don't know what it was that piqued my interest in using that, but I know, all I know is just I was on Amazon just, you know, scrolling, looking for stuff. And incense popped up and candles popped up. And I was just like, you know what? Let me order these. And immediately it just felt like it felt peaceful having them around. So I was just okay, this is doing something for me. And then um, after I getting out of the military, um, I had a huge, like, downward spiral of depression. And I was on medication for that, but I didn't like it. So I talked to my therapist about it, and he was just like, you know, 
just try meditation. Maybe that'll help you, you know, with depression and anxiety. So um, he was telling me what apps to use, but I found out that I like to listen to meditation music better, and that got me in a zone. And um, I would meditate. There would be nothing for, like, the first couple of days of meditating. And then one day it finally clicked during meditation when I lit a white candle. So this told me to use a white candle, light that, say a prayer before meditation, and then meditate. That's exactly what I did. And that's how things started to make sense. That's when I had my spiritual awakening, you know, they call it. Things started to make sense, and I started becoming more open to information, (laughs) open to receiving, like, messages from spirit. And how do I explain it? It's just being more open to receiving the energy around me. Okay. Yeah, things started to make sense after that. So it was just like, ah, okay. So this is what I'm supposed to do. Got my first tarot reading, and it's from uh, this woman named Wisdom and Light on YouTube. Amazing. I love her. She did um, my first tarot reading for me, and she was just like, you're supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, you the tarot cards, what? And she's like, yeah, you're supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And she's like, you're going to be doing this for a long time. She's like, you have an ancestor here. You know, she was just telling me an ancestor was coming through. She's like, she's been trying to get you to listen to her for the longest, and you just haven't. And I was just like, who the hell is she talking about? <laughs> and um, I meditated, and I saw who she was talking about. She was talking about my great-grandmother, awesome, Leela. <laughs> She was talking about her, and I saw her, and she's like, okay, so you see me now? And I was like, yes. She's like, all right. And then next time you meditate, we'll have a conversation. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right. <laughs> and I guess, you know, that's when I started exploring more into mediumship as well. Like, I've always, like, had that. I just always avoided it. I knew I heard things from people. I just didn't know where it was coming from, and it used to scare me. But meditation definitely helped me to become more comfortable, and it helped open up to what I do now, which is, you know, tarot reading. Wow. I mean, that's a really beautiful story, but it's kind of spooky. (laughs) In the way, because you did a reading for me um, for my birthday, and Mm -hmm. you said that I'm supposed to be you kind of said the same thing, like, I'm supposed to be doing this stuff, and I'm just, like, yeah. fighting against it. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, was like, my mom died when I was three, and mm. my first memory is seeing her in her casket, but also, uh-huh. I swear, I saw angels singing above her, mm. and... You know, people are like, oh, you're a baby. You don't know what you were seeing. But then, like, in the house, as I was growing up, I swore I could always see her in the house. Like, see her from the corner of my eye, like, peeking in on me when I was sleeping or just being around. So I'm just like, I don't know. (laughs) It's spooky. It's spooky in a good way, not in a negative way. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's spooky, but it's like a blessing in a way because, like, you know you're being covered, you know you're being watched, you know being protected. So it's, it's a, it gets comforting after you're familiar with what exactly that feeling is. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it because obviously you're the expert <laughs> between the two of us. But um, so, yeah, when you when you say you open yourself to spirit and to messages, so do you believe that's just the ancestors? Like spirit just seems like such a, a broad, vague term. Which it is. Which it is. Okay. Um, a lot of people have, like, I guess a lot of people have different um, definitions of what spirit is to me. Spirit can be um, your higher self. It can be a spirit guide who is not in relation to you. Um, It could be ancestors that don't really want to be acknowledged but just want to give their message. And maybe even it is a message from God. I'm not for sure. I just know of my ancestors, and they're like everything is coming together, like God got you. (laughs) And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. okay, so what are y'all, like his little worker bees or something? All right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they they kind of do the work for us because you know God is like one universal being and you would think he's you know that kind of busy you know it's so mm-hmm. many people in the world so many lives in this universe and it's like these ancestors are here to help you these people who know you who are most familiar to you are the ones who are here to help you so it's like do your job for some of them. <laughs> it's like, do your okay. job. And, you know, after you, from the greater understanding that I have of the afterlife, ancestors are here to help us um, toward our highest and get and towards our highest and greatest good. That's my understanding of it. And there are some who heal in the afterlife as you heal in this life. So when I say you're healing generational trauma, trauma that's generation trauma before you and the one that you're continually around now, the trauma that you're currently living in now, you're, as you're healing that, you heal your ancestors, and they do their work to help you get to the space where you need to be in order to go into ascension, if that makes sense. So it's like doing good while you're here pretty much you say you're a good person, let's prove that. We're going to test you with this. We're going to throw some things your way. It's not intentionally to make you an angry person. It's just showing you what you need to learn for yourself as you're going up in this world, if that makes sense, because everybody has the opportunity to make their life better. Even at their worst, they still have that opportunity to make their lives better. A lot of people don't really see that for themselves. And I feel like our job as, you know, tarot readers, messengers, intuitive channelers, anything like that, our job is to help people see what they are capable of so that we can create, you know, a better place for everybody, you know. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it does. I'm just, I don't know. I'm I'm listening, and I, I love it. So, um, <laughs> so thank you. And I feel mm. like I'm going to say thank you a lot because this is, this is amazing. I feel like a lot of people don't know, and they may feel like me, like, it's spooky. I don't want to hear about it, but it's, it's interesting. Right. As a medium, have you ever, I'm thinking, I'm getting the picture of Whoopi Goldberg in Ghost, where she's <laughs> actually, like, seeing Patrick Swayze. <laughs> 
<laughs> do you actually channel like other people's ancestors can you see them hear from them sometimes okay sometimes if they pop up i let the reader i let the person i'm reading immediately know there's somebody in this presence right now relaying this message to me so i'm just going to tell you the way they're telling me Sometimes they will describe themselves because I'm not clear. I'm not very clairvoyant, meaning I don't see spirits, but, you know, I have dreams still. So, you know, those prophetic dreams come to fruition. But when it comes to spirits, I don't see them unless I'm in meditation. Um, I'm clear audience. So I hear spirit and I hear voices loud and clear. <laughs> mm. I hear voices. I can describe the voice. And they'll give me a description of what they look like, and I kind of paint the picture in my head. But it's not like they manifest themselves to me. It's just that I hear them. So when I'm describing them and I get the confirmation from somebody, oh, this person is here. Like, this is, I know who you're talking about. That is blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay, so I'm doing something right here. <laughs> but it was, it was easier to ease myself through because in meditation, I see everybody. I saw my grandmother, I saw my other ancestors. I see them, okay? So that spooked me out when I first started meditating. But, you know, I got comfortable with it, you know, eventually. Um, so those are the only ones that I see, unless it's, like, people who are around me, who I'm close to. I'll probably see their ancestors sometimes in my meditation if they want me to relay a message to them. And... um Seeing them doesn't spook me out anymore. Just as long as I don't see them in real life, I'm okay. Because <laughs> I'm not trying to see right. them anywhere in real life. I'm not trying to see. I don't even want to see them in my dreams sometimes. You know, they they pop up every now and then in my dreams. But I'm in person, like face-to-face in reality, I don't want to see that. <laughs> oh, I get in the grocery I store and see somebody. <laughs> No, I I am Stevie Wonder. I am Stevie Wonder. I don't want to see them at all. I'll hear them, and I'll be like, okay, you got to go away because I'm not doing this today. (laughs) Okay. So, okay, well, firstly, thank you for clarifying the difference between a medium and a clairvoyant because that's a really Mm -hmm. important distinction. Um, But why don't you want to see them? mm, I'm not ready for that. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I I just I don't know how to explain it. It's just it's something I am not ready for, and it will freak me out to see that. Maybe it's because I've seen too many uh, ghost adventures and shows like that. Maybe it's because mm. I've seen that. I was just like, uh, uh-uh, I don't want to see nobody. But um, it's gonna happen one day if I once I open myself up to it. But today ain't that day. Okay, so let's get into more of the tarot. Um, what mm-hmm. is it exactly? Okay, so tarot cards, an ancient way of pretty much divination. It's like an ancient form of divination. I wouldn't say too ancient, but from what I know of the history of tarot, like the original 78 tarot deck was like, what was it, in the 1800s? I don't know. I don't have the booklet. Um, pretty much tarot is just a way um, with set definitions and set uh, imagery to help guide others on their spiritual journey pretty much. That's like the best way I could describe it. Like they used to they use it as playing cards sometimes, but in divination that's like the best way it's used. It gives you the visual it gives me, you know, in my opinion, it gives me the visual to what I hear. So okay. I get the pictures from that 
and then the message come in, and I'm just, oh, okay, I get it now. So the visual to what I hear through my clear audience. So can anyone just pick a tarot and read for themselves? Listen, a lot of people say you can't, <laughs> but I feel like it's the best thing for you to do. Not, okay, here's where the misconception is. People think that if you pick up a tarot book, that means you have to start doing readings for everybody. No, it's mm-hmm. not that at all. You know, um, there are many people who can read for themselves, but it is not for them to read for others. Uh, okay. People... Some people are just not chosen messengers, okay? I'm not saying that anybody's more special than those who are the messengers, but it's a calling. So you can't just pick up cards and just do it for everybody just because, you know, you know exactly what is being said through the cards. Sometimes you have to keep some things to yourself. So it's a great form of, it's pretty much a great way of, using the cards is a great way of self-awareness. So definitely helping yourself and aiding in your journey alone where it's like a diary almost, but it's like a diary that responds to what you're saying. Okay. So it's great. I, I'm i 100% here for people getting some tarot cards, getting some oracle cards, and reading for themselves because who knows you better than you? Mm. Okay, I like that. So wait, mm-hmm. what is, what's the difference between the oracle cards and the tarot cards? Okay, tarot cards have a set rule that they all have their set definition for each card. Oracle cards are more intuition-based. So, for example, for my messenger of the message from the Spirit Guides deck, that is an oracle deck that I have, they all have a couple short phrases where it's like, for example, inspire others. I'm looking at the card right now. And it's intuition-based. So it's like in your head you're trying to figure out why exactly this card is here, how does it relate to the person that I'm reading, or how does it relate to the reading for myself, and then the message comes in. So this is completely, like, upfront in your face, but a lot of information coming from just one small phrase. So that's the oracle card. But tarot has their set of rules, like, this card means this, that card means that. There's no changing that. Now, people do read tarot cards intuitively, where they don't really know the rules of the tarot 100%, but they get the right idea of what each card means. But it can be intuition-based using tarot cards. But oracle cards, strictly intuition. Whatever you know, whatever flows through is what is given through these cards. So one thing, I was watching this video this is probably going to seem silly, of Janae Aiko. And then mm-hmm. every morning, it's like, wake up, what's your name? So um, every morning she wakes up and she pulls a card for her day. Is that something mm-hmm. you think you should do? Or should it just be like when you have, when you've meditated and you have a clear mind, is there a certain time you should do it? Honestly, for it, it all depends on you. For some people, they only need to do a card reading on themselves like once a week or once a month. Some people do require everyday guidance just to get an idea of how the day could go and um, what they need to be aware of. Now, me, personally, I'll check my cards, you know, daily. I'm just like, no, what's up? What do I need to know before I get my day ready? And I get an idea of pretty much what the energy of the day, what I need to work on, how can I progress? So it's like okay. a, it's kind of like a check-in with myself, but you do what works for you. I know somebody, she only does a reading on herself like every five months. 
So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I, I couldn't do that. But if that's what you're comfortable <laughs> with, you, you just do what you're comfortable with. See, me, I still have a sense of anxiety. So I got to know what is going on. I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm yeah. working on that. But um, I still have to, like, be aware of what is going on around me. Yes, I'll be surprised by a couple of things because, you know, we're not supposed to know everything. But mm-hmm. just for, like, the main idea of how my day is going to go, that's what I use my cards for. Okay, but what if you pull a bad card or a negative card? Like, is the rest of your day just filled with anxiety waiting for the bad thing to happen? Not quite. It, it's okay. all depends on, it all depends on how you react to it. Like, it, that's, like, the best answer I can give. It all depends on you. Because I would see, you know, the tower card pop, and I'm like, dang it, what now? <laughs> what now? <laughs> but, you okay. know, like, I wouldn't be looking forward to it, but I'll just, you know, know how to move so that it doesn't go in an unfavorable way. So, it's okay. you know, every day is a test. So it's like, not quite a cheat code, but like a study guide to navigate through the obstacles that you have to go through. Because we can know, you know, we can know enough, but we can't know too much. So there is going to be a surprise thrown every now and then. Okay, I like that. I like that. So my Mm -hmm. other question that just kind of popped in my head was, you talk a lot about this on Twitter, about just people who are maybe not called to tarot or called to be guides or messengers, but they do it and, mm-hmm. and they're trying to give you guys a bad name. So as an as someone who wants to get readings or, you know, whatever, how do you choose mm-hmm. the right person? <sighs> okay. First of all, don't look at followers. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at followers. Just because they have a large following doesn't mean that, you know, they know exactly what they're doing. Okay, and that's a mistake a lot of people make. They say, oh, this was a major account, and they let me down. They didn't deliver, blah, blah, blah. My thing is when I'm looking for a reader, first thing I need to know is if I need to be able to find on your page how I can book with you, okay? Is it via DM? Mm -hmm. Do you have a website? If so, it should be somewhere on your page. Mostly, you know, I look in the pin post or I look in the bio, a lot of people surprisingly don't do that, <laughs> but um, I'll I'll look there and then um, I'll look through some tweets too. Like if some of their tweets resonated and I want to get a different a deeper look to see if that applied to me, I book a reading with them. Um, but with me, I get like a special nudge. It's like, should I get a reading from this person? Yes. Should I? No. So I'm like, okay, I'll listen to myself. So discernment matters. You go with who flows with you energetically and go with who you see is actively growing as a person. Like you'll see along um, the timeline throughout the month, like who's really doing the work that they say they are doing. You'll see that. And, you know, the people who really care about what they do, you'll see their growth. And you're just like, okay, I want to book with that person. They're onto something. They may be able to help me out. They may be able, may be able to receive what I need to know. So I think that's the best way to go at it. But um, just make sure everything is seen where you can easily book without asking them questions because the best readings I've ever had conducted on myself 
is readings where I didn't have to ask questions. Mm. Just let the person flow. And those who deliver, deliver. They definitely do. Because <laughs> there's a couple of other readers on Twitter that I have, you know, reached out to that I've grown more closer with and acquainted myself with. And those are my go-tos when I feel like I'm struggling a little bit. So I stick okay. with that. And they get the main idea. They tell you what it is you need to know. If you have questions, they answer them to the best of their abilities. And they make sure they tell you the positive, the negative, and how you can make a solution out of this that works in your favor. I always wondered this because you and I, we never met. We've never been in the same room, but you were able right. to accurately read for me. So how does that even work? Uh, through my clairvoyance. When I pull the cards, I get a picture, and I literally hear a voice. With spirit, if it's, if it's spirit, it's just like a whisper. It's a whisper, and then everything just flows through. Sometimes I don't really remember what I say <laughs> with a lot of readings. I don't remember exactly what I say, but I kind of remember the main point of it, and it just flows through me. I'm literally a messenger, like, like how I see it, somebody is pouring a cup on my forehead <laughs> and <laughs> it's just flowing out of my mouth into this like river of who you are and what is going on around you. It's weird, but that's how I visualize it in my head. So okay. it just everything just flows so that I'm able to tell you what is going on, how you can navigate through this, um, what negatives and positives are there, anything like that. Have you ever rejected spirit or just kind of shut yourself down, like, not today, I don't want to hear it? <laughs> I have a couple of times when I got in my feelings. <laughs> when I got in my feelings, I was like, I don't care. Like, y'all told me it was this, this, and that. He was doing me dirty. Y'all didn't have to tell me this. <laughs> like, I was getting mad. I was getting hurt. And I'll just be like, man, y'all dirty for having this happen to me. Like, I would be so mad. But after, like, calming down and, you know, coming to a realization, like, meditating on it, it's just like, okay, I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> y'all y'all had to show it to me that way because I was being hard-headed. So I'll, I'll accept it. I'll take this L. Just help me to move on from this, please, and thank you. <laughs> Okay. They're like, okay, we understand you're like our baby. we got to let the baby yeah. have her tantrum. <laughs> yes, <Okay>. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you did mention that your aunt kind of has, has the gift as well, but she's mm -hmm. in a different sector. She's um, a pastor, you said, right? Yeah, she's a pastor. Okay. <laughs> um, so you feel that your gift can – coexist with other religions just because it's a big it's a big god and he has yes. like different sectors okay mm -hmm. so has anyone ever kind of been negative to you in that way just like this this is not really god you're i don't know this is all evil the time. or whatever really all the time people get so angry with me and at first, like, I would argue back and I would, you know, have my points. But then I was like, you know what? 
if you know me, if you know my heart, you know what I'm not doing is wrong. You know what I'm doing is right for me. And if you can't accept that, then you just keep your distance from me. And those who understand and know you and they're thinking you're doing something evil, but they remember who you are. And they're just like, okay, you're good. I may not agree with how you do it, but I know your heart and your intentions are pure. Now, there are others who are just like, what you're doing is evil, blah, blah, blah. I've had people block me. People I used to be friends with in elementary school block me because I opened up about doing tarot. And ugh. I, it was annoying because it was just like, what am I doing to hurt you? Nothing at all. So, you know. People are going to be blind to what they're going to be blind to. The people are going to be open to what they're open to. And I'm just glad I have a good, you know, solid support system um, to where, yeah, maybe some of them don't agree with what I do, but they support me in all their ways. They share my posts. They, you know, sometimes will get a reading from me. And, you know, they, they do what they can to support me. And I'm very appreciative of that. And that's from, like, the people who are closest to me. So speaking mm-hmm. of that, um, how do you take care of yourself? Because you're pouring a lot into other people. How do you uh, replace what you poured out? Okay. I, I do it in three ways. Meditation, okay, daily, daily meditation. If I have to meditate twice a day, I will do that. Um, that's how I can kind of reset and come back, you know, to myself. Second way is um, taking baths. I take meditative baths where I'll just sit in the tub. Um, I may have some Himalayan salt in there and just ground myself. And the third way is smoking marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) Got to. Got to. That helps me most definitely to ground myself and kind of reset and take care of myself. Um, Oh, and a bonus way keeping organized, keeping clean. You know, the phrase cleanliness is next to godliness. So a way to ground yourself is by cleaning your area, cleaning where you work at, cleaning your house. Like, I do chores all day. So that's my way of kind of, like, getting myself together, getting my head right, Um, that and drinking water, and I'm good for the day. I used to get headaches when I first started doing this, and I had no idea why I was getting headaches. And all I heard was drink some water. So I drank some water, and then I heard take a bath. And I started taking baths, and I would feel instantly better. I thought I was sick, but it was just me doing so much work. Like, this is truly an energetically taxing job. So you really do have to make sure you're taking care of yourself, you're drinking, you're eating when you need to. Eating is important. That's definitely important in grounding yourself so that you're able to continue on with doing readings. You have to eat. You have to drink. You are a plant, so you have to take care of yourself. That's so funny. I was saying that the other day. Like, I'm basically a plant because I need my sunshine. I need my water. Mm -hmm. I need fresh air. So that's great. Right. So, bonus question. What is so? I was going to ask you some astrological questions, but that's also something different, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you do any work with that, or it's just strictly tarot and and spirit work? 
Um, what I offer to the world is my tarot work, my spiritual work. Mm-hmm. What I keep for myself and for my family and friends is um, astrology. I mm-hmm. study it for myself, kind of like as confirmation to what I know spiritually and learning more and more about myself through my natal chart and learning more and more about how to interact with the people around me based on their charts. Like I've done the charts for my children. I've done it for my sisters. Um, I did one on my mom. So I kind of have like an idea of how to navigate through different personalities. So it helps me out a lot in the aspect of like healing and things like that because of the lineage that I come from. So I keep that for myself. I would offer it as a service for others, but that's too much work that I don't want to do for other people. <laughs> but I'm okay. sure the money would be awesome, but that's just not what I have the time for. <laughs> I can't do it, so I just keep it for myself where I'll study every now and then, and um, I'll see a transit for the day um, on my Time Passages app and see how the different um, transits and aspects and placements, like, you know, we're in Taurus season right now, seeing how that impacts me and seeing how um, this craziness going on Mm -hmm. (laughs) astrologically impacts me and my family. So it is good. I feel like for personal use, it's awesome. If you really want to get to know yourself and guide yourself through this journey, astrology does it too if you don't want to touch tarot cards. Okay. No, because I just mentioned that because we're both Aquarians, and we get such a a, a bad rap. Like, we're not bad <sighs> people. <laughs> we're really not. Okay, the men, maybe. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, we don't the claim Aquarians them. Aquarians, men. We don't, we don't claim them very much. Like, our Aquarius brothers are just a little ignorant. <laughs> They're a little rude. But I, I feel like Aquarius women are a lot more chill than Aquarius men. We do our own thing. We're friendly with people. We just want everybody to be great. So it's like for some people to have such negative things to say about Aquarius, it's just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Believe like, what you want. We're not cold. We're not unfeeling. Okay, we might be a little eccentric, but that's fun. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. other stuff, no. Okay. I just wanted to clear the air on that one. Yes. <laughs> and that's on period. Like we're cool. Okay. <laughs> that's on period. <laughs> but um oh, so did you want to talk about your cosmetology stuff? Why did you choose to go to cosmetology school? Let me tell you something, okay? <laughs> I don't know how the idea popped into my head. But I was just chilling one day and I was just like, Look, I need to go to a school. But I don't feel like I need to go to a school for business because I know pretty much what to do on that side. I run my own business, so what I got to go to business school for. And online school just wasn't doing it for me. So I was just like, what school can I get into? Boom, popped in my head, cosmetology school. I was like, what? <laughs> mm. I was just like, I don't, I was like, I don't know about that because, listen, I don't do, I, before then, I didn't do makeup. I didn't really care about my hair. I just knew, like, how to take care of my own hair. But I didn't really care to, like, whether I had a braid or anything like that, Um, you know, because it was just – it was always, like, I could pay somebody to do that, whatever. I didn't care about any of that. But as soon as I started cosmetology school, I was just like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. So one 
one of my ancestors dropped that nugget in my head, and I'm just going to follow through on it and see where it takes me. I love it. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love doing nails, and I love doing makeup. I'm, I may not like doing hair very much, but nails and makeup and skincare, that's my thing. So I have those options to choose from if I don't do hair. So I, I'm I'm exploring more and more, you know, where, you know, COVID-19 craziness. So I'm not in school mm-hmm. physically right now. But, you know, we do our online courses. I practice um, doing nails on my mannequin and on my sister. I practice makeup on myself, like, almost every day, <laughs> just trying to get better. Um, I love it. It's turning me into a brand-new person. Uh, that I I did not know I could be, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, it's positively changing me physically because it's just like I'm blossoming as I'm going through it. So I, I'm liking it. I like it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, um, I was a makeup artist for a long time. I want to say six years, something Ooh. like that. Um, but I'm telling you, makeup is another form of healing. It's another... It's just, I don't know, when you wash people's hair or you take care of someone, you make them feel better about themselves. And it sounds yeah. like vanity. It, it sounds like vanity, but it's not. It's another form right. of helping other people. So maybe that's why, you know, the ancestor was like, nudge, nudge, you need to do this. Yeah. So, oh, but yeah, I'm definitely exciting. finding out more and more. Yeah, more and more I'm figuring out, like, why I'm doing this. And like I said, I'm just, I'm not asking no questions about it. I'm just seeing where it takes me. I really enjoyed chatting with it was like talking to an old friend if you enjoyed our conversation stay tuned for a bonus feature after the credits follow her on instagram and twitter at universal amani that's universal u-n-i-v-e-r-s-a-l amani a m is in mary a n is in nancy i and you can also book her get a reading guys you will not regret it at universalamani.com. Follow me, Felicia, at Jane of All Trades Pod on Instagram. If you want to be featured on the show or you want to nominate a Jane to be featured on the show, slide in my DMs. Don't be shy. Or you can email me at Jane of All Trades Pod at gmail.com. Till next time. so funny is like on Tuesday I was talking to my friend who mm-hmm. um, she does Lukumi which is like a form of Santeria and mm-hmm. then the next day yesterday that was when that white girl died playing with Papa Legba when you do clownery <laughs> when you do clownery that I always say, stay in your lane. 
saying it right. Mm-hmm. And then she was doing work against a black woman. Oh, it was not going to work in your favor, ma'am. You stay in your lane. I don't cross that area. You know, I stay in the hoodoo lane, okay? So that's a Christian practice. That's like earthbound things. I stick with that. That's what I know. That in bibliomancy, you know, Bible magic. That's what I mm-hmm. stick with, okay? I stay in my lane. I'm not ready to tune into Oshun or pop a leg bow or anybody from anywhere else. I that's not my that's not my ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not my ministry. So I I can't tell you about what others do with Santeria and Voodoo and all that. I, I can't do that. That's not my lane. I stay here. This is what I know. I would never see myself crossing over my ancestors to get answers or get wisdom or anything else because I feel like that's not in my place to do so. Stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. That's the message there. Just stay in your lane. Stay where you are supposed to. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was the thing like with the whole Papa Legba thing and those, that's a Haitian Loa. And you are a white person. <laughs> like that is not your ancestor. Like what? At all? Don't you? Not even a good idea. They don't fool with you like that. Um, right? Ooh. People, Ugh. they they gotta be careful. Be careful what you get into. Right. But no, it's just been a mm-hmm. lot of talk about ancestors and spirituality this week. It's been a very interesting week. <laughs> I love it. I'm going yeah. to open up a platform one day to where I can really express more about ancestral work and spirituality and things like that. That's kind of in the works right now. So, you know, that'll be coming up soon. Uh, but right now, like, I give my little bits and pieces. But bits and pieces on social media doesn't really satisfy a lot of people. So I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to create something where I can have, like, a forum or a discussion and um, maybe some, you know, drop some educational videos on different aspects of spirituality and how to work it for yourself, starting with ancestral veneration. Because everything okay. you do, you must start with them first. A lot of people don't believe that, but that that's what works. You start with the people you know. And that's so funny. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. This has been a lot of, like, ancestor stuff coming up. So, like, mm-hmm. hmm. How do I want to phrase this question? I'm excited for whatever platform you do. Like, I, you have my support wholeheartedly. So is that going to look like a website? Is it a YouTube? Is it like um, Facebook? What? I'm searching platforms right now, like maybe a Patreon or mm. maybe YouTube. I'm, still, I'm trying to see what works best for me. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, we will stay tuned. Dun, dun, dun.